This is the third Sunday in Easter, and today we're looking at a passage that people just refer to as the Emmaus story, and it's in Luke, the 24th chapter, and I gave each of you a handout that covers uh, most of the scripture that I'm going to be looking at today, and there'll be some places that are underlined in it. And sometimes I may ask you to say those parts out loud. So you may want to follow along with me on your handout this morning. What we have are two people walking along on the day of the resurrection. And Jesus comes up to them and they didn't recognize Jesus in the flesh right there with them. Because the reality is, you see, that sometimes you can look at something and you can see it, but not really see it. Has that ever happened to you? And uh, so this is a story about uh, people who saw Jesus, but who really didn't see who he was. And it begins now that same day. Now, would you say with me, same day? Same day. Now, what same day? The same day that Jesus rose from the dead. That same day. Now, that that very same day, when Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible says that two of them. Now, there are two believers in Jesus Christ. And they had been there earlier this morning and heard the account when the women came back to tell them. They had been there with the disciples. If you'll look at the account closely, as they explain to Jesus what's going on, it says that we were the, basically they were there. They heard that report. So there are two disciples. One's name is Cleopas. And the other person, we never find out who that person's name is is. We don't know who they are. There's lots of speculation about who that person is. Now we know a whole lot about Cleopas, really. We know that he was Jesus's uncle. Were you aware of that? He was Joseph's brother. And he was the, uh, if you look closely in the scripture, as you look at it, you'll see that one of the Marys that was standing there with the other Mary, there was Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And there was another Mary that was standing there whenever Jesus was being crucified. It was Mary, the wife of Cleopas, it says. And so we see that uh, the other Mary was Jesus' aunt. And here is Cleopas. Jesus' uncle, Joseph's brother, and he is heading back with someone to uh, Emmaus. And they're on the road to Emmaus. We know a lot about uh, Cleopas because he was well known in the early church. And they probably got him to tell his story over and over again. And it confirmed that yes, Jesus had risen from the dead. The biblical authors in the New Testament had a way 
of being sure to mention the names of those people that other people reading the accounts back then might know so that they could confirm those accounts. And they, and it gave corroboration to their, to, to the truth. It gave veracity to the story that they were telling, you see. Some people speculate that this other person was Luke, but that doesn't seem to fit very well. Some people speculate that it was Mary, uh, his wife, that was walking along with him. And the reasoning there is that uh, women were hardly ever mentioned by name, but she was mentioned uh, other times. Why would she not be mentioned here? She was a significant person at the cross. Why would she not be significant here? And so I would submit that if it was Mary, wife of Cleopas, or Cleopas, that uh, she would have been named here as well because Luke knew full well who she was. But here is this nondescript, unknown traveler with Cleopas. And some people seem to think that the Lord had Luke leave that person unnamed so that we could identify with that person and put our own name in that spot. And as we go through this story, I think you'll see that, yeah, that could just as well be you walking along with Cleopas that day. Because there are a lot of things going on in your lives that had gone on in their lives. And a lot of you find, you find yourselves in the same sorts of places that Cleopas and his fellow traveler found themselves that morning. They were going to a village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And that's where Cleopas lived. And they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And so at first reading, it just kind of sounds like they were walking along, shooting the breeze about, you know, uh, who won the last ball game or whatever. Current events. And yes, they were chatting as they were going along. And they were talking about something that was pretty, pretty intense. Because you see, for centuries, there had been stories uh, and prophecies and rumors and those who believed that one day God would send a Messiah. And you see, these two people, and certainly their parents had talked about it, and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their great-great-grandparents had talked about the fact that one day God would send the Messiah and he would be the savior of the world. And in their lifetimes, they were hoping, expecting, praying, wishing, dreaming, uh, that a guy by the name of Jesus of Nazareth would be this person. Because you see, he was unlike anyone else. Anyway, he's unlike anyone they'd ever seen. He could do miracles. And when he taught, they could hear it was, it was like otherworldly. It was, it was like they spoke directly to their souls. 
And they would think, could this be the one? Maybe he is. We think he is. We hope he is. And they put all their faith into believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And the problem is, three days prior, they'd watched their possible Messiah be crucified on a cross. And all their hopes and all their dreams and expectations were all of a sudden just dashed. It was the moment when they realized our life is not going on the path that we had hoped it was going to follow. It's not going to be the way we thought it would be. And the reality is that many of us are in that place right now, aren't we? We're right there with Cleopas. We are that person right alongside him. We wake up one day and we think, you know, this was not in the master plan. I thought things would be better at this point. Uh, maybe you went off to college and you thought, hey, I'm going to get this degree and everything's going to be good. And then you heard from home that your mom and dad were getting divorced and you're thinking, no, no, this isn't what I was planning on. This isn't what I hoped for. Or maybe you've been dating someone for a long, long time and you think this is the person, this is the one. And you have uh, invested everything in that relationship. You put all your eggs in this particular basket and then it didn't work out. And you're going, what do I do now? How do I pick up the pieces? Where do I go from here? And you thought, hey, I thought we were going to be happily married until death us do part. And then the parting came before death. And you're going, what do I do now as a single parent? This isn't what I planned. You thought you're going to be really enjoying this season of your life. And then one of your parents falls very ill and you're going, oh man, I know this is the right thing to do to care for them, but how are we going to pay for this? And I mean, it's just things aren't turning out the way that we thought they would. And this is kind of where these two people are. They're going like, you know, we had put all our hope in this and our hopes have been shattered. That's their walking along. That's what they're talking about as they're walking along that day. Verse 15 says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, that Jesus himself came up. And what did he do? It says that he walked with them. And this is a beautiful picture, you see. Jesus is walking with them, but they were, they were what? Let's see. They were kept from recognizing him. And uh, he was with them, but they didn't see him. I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, God wasn't letting them see who he was. He was walking with them, and yet they did not have the eyes to see. Well, he joins them in the conversation in verse 17. And he asked them, what are you guys talking about while you're walking along here? And it says that they stood still. <sighs> Their face 
downcast, it says. These guys were devastated. And then Cleopas asked Jesus, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that happened in these days? I don't know, but you could only imagine, though, what's going on in the mind of Jesus. Here he is. He's risen from the dead. He's standing right in front of them. He's the one they've been talking about, and he's walking with them, and they don't recognize him. Then in verse 19, in verse 19, uh, they said, hey, all these things happen. What things? And uh, they replied, about Jesus of Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and the people. Now look at this, powerful in word and deed. Powerful in word. When he spoke, it's like his words pierced their hearts. It was like he knew things that nobody else could know. When he spoke, it was like your soul was feeding on living bread. When he spoke, they were changed. When he spoke, it was like listening to God talk. When he spoke, it was powerful. When this guy showed up, things changed. Blind eyes were opened. Deaf ears were healed. The mute could speak. One time he fed 5,000 people or men and with their wives and their children with a lunch basket full of fish and bread. He changed water into wine. And when a kid died, he spoke and the kid was raised from the dead. This prophet, he was powerful in word and deed. In verse 20, we see the plot turning. The chief priest, he says the plot turned, you know, the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But what? We had hoped right there in that phrase. You see so many shattered dreams, don't you? But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place and we had hoped. And it's obvious that what we'd hoped for isn't going to come about. What they'd hoped for is standing right in front of them and they can't see it. Some of you right now, you're in a season of, but we had hoped. That's just where you are. But we had hoped. And if you look back in your life, certainly, I know a lot of you can remember those times uh, where you woke up and you realized, this is what we thought, but this is not going to happen. But we had hoped. We'd hoped that he would, but he is not. Some of you right now, you're going through a season of, but we had hoped. I've known couples who would say, but we had hoped to have children, but we can't seem to conceive. My biggest dream was to be a mom, but I can't seem to have a child. But we had hoped, you know, we had put all this money into this college degree and 
Now we've got all this debt. We'd hope to be using this degree to be something that we liked in life. And yet I have a meaningful job. And here I find myself doing this stupid thing that just seems so beneath it all. I'd hoped, but it hasn't turned out that way. We'd hope to be celebrating our anniversary and going on a nice trip together, but instead we're fighting over who gets the sofa and who gets the dog when we divorce. We had hoped, you know, we had hoped to be able to retire and half of what we had just vanished. And we had hoped, we had hoped to really be enjoying this time of life. And now we've got a full-blown battle with cancer going on. We had hoped. And that's where these guys were. Walking along with them was the risen Christ. Powerful in deed. Powerful in word. And they couldn't see him. They just couldn't see. He was right there with them. And they couldn't see it. They didn't know it. The story continues in verse uh, 22. And they said, in addition, some of our own women amazed us. Could I get all the men to say this phrase out loud? Some of our women amazed us. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Some of our women amazed us. You need to say that from time to time. (laughs) Let's face it. Some of our women are amazing. That's a little side note. We're going to get back on on target now. Okay. Just practice it. Say it often. It's a good thing. Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. Now notice they're saying some of our women and does that. that, See, they were there. These two were there when the women came back and gave their report. They came and told us. You see, they were some of the first ones to get the report from the women. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. But they what? They did not see. He was risen. But they did not see. The tomb was empty, but they did not see. He was with them, but they did not see. God is often like that. In the present, he's often with us, but we just can't see. Have you ever noticed that in the present, it's occasionally hard to see God at work? Now, he's there because the scripture says if you're one of his, He'll never desert you. He'll never forsake you. It's often hard to see him in the present. But when you look back in the rearview mirror of life, it's so much easier to see him. He was there and he was good. He was working in all things to bring about good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He was with me as I look back. In my brokenness, he was with me in my loneliness. He was there comforting me in my despair. I didn't see it at the time, but as I look back, I can see he is with me. He was with me.
Now, here's my favorite part of the story. Check this out. Let me just tell you the context. Jesus starts teaching them about all that had happened. And then he kind of acted like he was going to go on. Oh, and he, and he tells them, he, he, he share, he tells them, he teaches them out of the Old Testament how everything that they're talking about, the scriptures said was going to happen. He's going to be raised on the third day. He showed them this. He let them know this. And then he acted like he was kind of going to go on uh, for the day. He said, okay, it's the end of the day, guys. I'm tired. I've got to go get some sleep. And they're like, no, no, no. Come, stay with us. Uh, come to our place. You're cool. Come on in. And so he did. And in the midst of verse 29, the Bible says, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, let me ask you something. I want you to say yes if the answer is yes. Do you recognize that phrase from anywhere else in the Bible? Yes. Three of you? Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, do you recognize that phrase from anywhere else in the Bible? Yes. Okay, that's right. He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Okay. And then there, say it aloud, and then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. You know, one of the things, you know, this is one of those moments that... Uh, <laughs> You know, whenever he was serving the bread, which means I would guess that he would be the one that would have blessed it. And whenever he blessed it, he would have held it up and he held it up and his robe fell away from his arms. Guess what they could see? Nail prints in his hands, because a little bit later, he's going to be showing those to Thomas, remember? And so he took the bread. And he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And I imagine they're there. Oh my gosh, don't you know that was a moment when all of a sudden they were, he's here. He's right here. Oh my gosh, how did we not know this? And then in that moment, he's gone. What a moment. What a moment. Imagine what it would be like to be there that day. The Bible says they start talking to each other. Weren't our hearts burning within us when he taught us the scriptures? He was there with us and we just didn't see it. Do you ever have a moment like that? Some of you today, you may, well, to some of you today may be the day that you just see. When you look back enough, and in the light of what you've heard today, all of a sudden you can start to see him in the past and then you begin to recognize him in the present. Today, when I talk about the resurrection, I want you to know I talk about it from the sheer confidence of knowing that he has been with me in all the pain from the past. And the confidence I have today, I can trace all the way back. And because I can see him in the past, I've got eyes to see him in the present. 
And now I'm telling you, I see him everywhere. I see him everywhere. I see him in my failures. I see where he rebuilds me and shapes me to be more like himself when I've just fallen flat on my face. I see him in my fears. I see him in the personal pain that my family has experienced. I see him in the persecution and turmoil of the church today. I see him in you as your countenance changes, as you let go of the things of this world and fall more deeply in love with him. I see it in a movement of people who realize that the things of this world don't matter, but living for the king of kings is the only thing that really does matter. I can see him all over the place. Why? Because I've got eyes to see. And if you don't have them yet, God wants to give you eyes to see. The reality is, though, that there are some who have heard the story of Jesus, but their minds not yet open to the truth and the reality and the depth of the gospel. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says this, the God with a little G, and that's Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. There may be someone here or someone listening later, and you've heard the stories of Jesus before, and many of you can tell that story, but you haven't really seen it as it applies to you because when you can really see it, you cannot stay the same. We're not talking about cultural Christianity here. We're not talking where we check a box and pay our taxes and be good people. We're talking about a radical follower, being a radical follower of a revolution for the glory of God through the Savior and King, Jesus Christ. When you recognize that the tomb is empty and what that means, it means you can be forgiven. You can be healed. You can make a difference and you can invest your life in eternal things. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to open your minds. And that is what he did in verse 44 uh, with his uh, disciples after he had them together. Verse 45 says he opened their minds. And that's what will happen to some of you. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. Now check this out, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, which is what he did. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to in his name to all the nations. Do you understand 2000 years later? That's what's being done. Repentance and salvation are being preached to all nations. Can you see his work? Can you sense his presence? Because he is here. And he who has eyes to see, Jesus says, let him see. Let her see. Let's pray. God, would you open our eyes in the middle of our successes and in the middle of our failures, in the middle of our fulfilled dreams, and in the middle of our shattered dreams, and help us to see you, 
at work. There may be some of you here this morning that you might say, I'm in the middle of a tough time and I want to believe he's here, but I can't really see him right now. And I want to. If that's you, would you lift your hand for a moment, please? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Those of you say, yeah, I do. There are also those here who say, yeah, I see him occasionally and I want to see him more often. I want to see him in the ordinary days of life. I want to see him and I want to know he's with me always. If that's you, would you lift your hands? All right. Okay. Thank you. God, I pray for those who are hurting. I pray that in times of darkness that you would open up our eyes to see you. God, train us by looking back to see your goodness, your hand, your power, your presence. Train us, God, to recognize you in the present. Oh, God, I pray that you'd give every one of those that have raised their hands this morning, give us eyes to see. And God, even now, as so many are swirling in a sea of hurt and disappointment, I pray. I pray that you would grant your supernatural peace that passes all human understanding. (coughs) Lord, I would ask that you would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Give them the ability to see you, to look beyond the circumstances and to look to the ultimate truth. (coughs) May we never walk with you and not recognize you. And God, for those who do know you, Open their eyes too. I pray God today that they would have conversation with family members and back at work with friends. God, that we would have eyes to see those divine opportunities that you give us to make a difference. God, help us to see you everywhere, to be always aware of your presence, to learn to walk not by sight, Lord, but to walk by faith, knowing that you are a good God And you're guiding us always, God. Give us eyes to see you. Now, as you keep praying, some of you, you've been kind of raised around the story of Jesus like I was. I heard, I knew about the tomb. I knew about the resurrection, but I didn't see it as it applied to me. I didn't understand what it meant. And some of you today, you're going to understand. You're going to recognize that Uh, You're going to recognize your own sinfulness, that your sin separates you from a holy God, and you're going to see what the resurrection really means to you. Others of you today, you may be way, way far from the things of God, but something's happening and you're being drawn. You're being drawn toward God right now. And what that is, is that's God's working through his Holy Spirit, reaching out to you. And you may look back and say like, yeah, that thing kind of seems to make sense. And I can see how everything seems to be pointing uh, toward this, this thing with God. I don't fully understand it. What that is, that's God at work trying to draw you to himself. Can you see it as you look back? Can you see that that's where you, why you're here? You know, this isn't a join the church type deal. This is a recognizing who he is the King and Lord and Son of God, because he died for me and rose again. He hasn't earned my lip service and my partial devotion, 
My only reasonable response is to give him my whole life. Jesus, I believe that the tomb is empty. All these people are willing to die for you. And I want to be willing to live to you, live for you. Would you forgive me? As you pray that all your sins will be forgiven and you will be totally transformed. In a moment, your life is going to change. Spiritually, the light will come on. You're going to become a new creation. I turn from myself. I turn to him. I wholly surrender to him. Jesus, make me new. Be the king. Be the Lord of my life. If that's your prayer today, would you lift your hands right now? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. That's now let's all pray together. I pray that you'll just you'll speak after me. Heavenly Father, I can see it. You sent your son to die for me. So I could live for you. I can see it. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. My life is not my own. It now belongs to you. I have been purchased by the blood Jesus shed. Take all of my life and use it for your glory. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you were praying it because you were inviting him to be your king and your Lord, his Holy Spirit has entered and you are now beginning to be transformed into that person you were created to be and that you've always longed to be. He will be with you and he will help you as you move on in him.